the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Where is the time gone? Fourth and final hour, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today. News Talk 710 KNUS. I will be back in the saddle this coming Saturday morning for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show from 6 to 9 in the morning. And among my guests will be Casper Stockham, who's running to be the next chairman of the Colorado Republican Party. He'll be joining me in studio to offer his case for being the next chairman of the party. It's good to be with you today. I always say that because it's true, but especially when we are able to talk about important topics and really get an eye into things that we're not otherwise able to get. I mean, when we hear about, say, protests in Iran, we may think, okay, so there's another little spurt of, protests where they're resisting the government over some issue we've seen it before 2009 was i think the the biggest one or at least this is the biggest since 2009 if not bigger 2017 2019 we've seen these things but a lot of times we don't understand what's going on we're not hearing about it in the american press very much especially locally and It's important to talk about, and it's important to get an understanding of what's really happening on the ground and also what's happening here in our own communities as far as the Iranian and Iranian or Iranian American community speaking out on behalf of their friends, their family, their compatriots in Iran, the Iranian people who are speaking up and facing the wrath of the government. This hour, I am very pleased to be joined here in studio by two immigrants from Iran, Babak Bezadi and Amir Kayeni, both joining me now on the program. Uh, gentlemen, it's good to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Uh, we're going to see a little bit. We may have a little bit of a mic issue going on in here. We'll, we'll see. We're getting some feedback. So um, bear with me or maybe... Um, yeah, yeah. So we're we're working on going to work on that. There we go. I think Bill just identified the problem. It was one of the pairs of headphones that was just feedbacking up a little loud. So now we are good. Let me welcome once again Amir and Babak, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank Jimmy. you, Jimmy. Yeah, I appreciate it. I I got connected with you, Amir, um, through my my father, and um, both are realtors, and you spoke at, I think, a Christmas or holiday party recently for, uh, and and you had a conversation in which he was struck by you expressing how distraught or upset or surprised, whatever term you may want to use, Iranian-Americans are right now about how little coverage there has been in U.S. media and locally to the plight of the Iranian people right now, the protests going on, and protests happening in our own community. 
Talk to me a little bit about that before we get into the issues and also the background of, of both of you gentlemen and your journeys to America and so forth. Why is it important that we have this conversation that we're having in this hour, Amir? Well, it's a long story. Uh, just to make it in a short, uh, is basically there is like close to about almost 14,000 Iranian here in Colorado. And uh, we've been here since uh, 1978, most of us, most of the old people that have been here. And every time there is any kind of news, you know, there is always a lot of noise behind it going on and everything. And we were wondering what's going on here. All, you know, this news is all over Europe, everywhere. And uh, we get no noise or nothing about this, you know, demonstration that we we're doing for almost eight weeks in front of Capitol. No TV station, no radio station, nothing. No, no news whatsoever. So it's kind of, uh, you know, it's upsetting that we're doing all this stuff uh, to, you know, to bring some knowledge to people to know what's going on in Iran. But uh, nobody's interested, looks like it at least, you know, for, uh, from the outside of it when we look at it. So we, that's what I was talking about to your father at our meeting. And he says, well, you know. My son is in a radio station. He might be interested. Sure enough, I guess you were interested enough to get yeah. us here. Well, and, and so one thing, when you say about trying to build awareness, there have been protests that Iranian Americans have been holding downtown at the Capitol every Saturday. Right. Every Saturday for the last six weeks now. Wow. And no coverage. No in coverage. Any, and you've reached out to Not TV stations small, and whatnot. Small you know, coverage. Nothing. Nothing. So I, I'm glad to be able to provide that today. So, it. Amir, talk to me a little bit about your journey to America. When did you immigrate? What, how was that timing relative to when you had the, um, uh, the the revolution, when the radical Islamists took over? Absolutely. I came here in 1977, end of 1977. Okay. And so the before, happened. before yes. that. It was like about six months before what happened in Iran. And there was a noise about, you know, shahs and stuff like that. But it wasn't really that serious when we left. But everything happened in six months, really, period, that all of a sudden everything was, you know, going sour in Iran. And who knows what was happening. And it just basically, in a span of six months, you know, it was turned over with the government. And all of a sudden, nobody know anything about this guy Khomeini. And all of a sudden, he was in France, and two of the, you know, his people that was working with him, they, I kind of brought back Khomeini to Iran, and it just started all from there. And it, they he been, became the first supreme leader. Yes, Iran. they've been there for almost 40, 44 years, Three, 43, 43 years, years old now, and people are being tired of it. And people are being getting in the street and talking from the beginning. It's not starting now, but it's been going on for 40 years at least. Mm. You know, we they went through the war with Iraq and uh, they couldn't do anything. And then economy was went really bad and everything. And people are just sick and tired of it. Mm. But they they can't do much. Mm. You know, it's just like a uh, secret. You know, everybody's unhappy, but nobody's allowed to talk about it. So nobody really can talk to each other sure. to know what's going on. Babak Bezadi, uh, you came to the United States after yes, the revolution. Yes. Talk to me about was, your background there. I was 16 years old, 1984. I left the country. Uh, revolution has happened, and slowly it's moving towards the you know conservative 
capitalism and, and basically taking away all the modernization slowly. Um, Barry Rubin wrote a book, uh, Pave with Good Intentions, and he, he tried to, at that time, explain why people are running away from Iran. And uh, he said, uh, he tried to explain to the public, says, you know, a, a fox was running from one city to another city, and they asked him, why are you running so fast? He says, the city where I come from, they shoot any fox that has three gonads. They look, they said, well, you only have two. He said, they shoot you first, and they count. So 1984, that was the reason I left Iran, and, and I was a young guy, didn't know what to do. And I arrived in the United States, believe it or not, with 75 cents in my pocket. Wow. And, uh, at 16 years at old. At 16 years of age, uh, Rhode Island. And uh, I went to high school. I went to pharmacy school there. And um, with a couple of years of, you know, in the middle of it, uh, to, to, I had to work. And the society provided what uh, you know what I needed and I graduated and I moved on with my business however in when I when I graduated in pharmacy school my passion was always politics and uh, in graduate school I was taking uh, foreign mm -hmm. policy classes and uh, later in pharmacy information technology and so this is today. a natural fit for you to to really be speaking out and you were you were in Berlin where there was a, a massive protest of over a hundred thousand people protesting in support of the Iranian people just what a few weeks ago a couple months yes. ago about three four weeks ago so what it is the Europeans tend to be a little bit more political and, and they you know clearly you know their geography has changed over the years so they're more political and and the Iranian diaspora in in Europe is 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 very strong and uh, about 120,000 people literally went into this demonstration. Uh, European Union, uh, yesterday they announced that they're not going to even speak uh, to any officials of, United, of, of, of Iran. United States needs to get there, uh, although they've, the administration has said that they will stand with the people of Iran, but standing is one thing and, and taking action is another. Good point. We, we, need, we need more actions from the administration. So let's get to just a big picture of what has been happening on the ground. Uh, Amir Kayani, what can you tell us is taking place? Because we saw the the very first thing was a 22-year-old young woman who refused to wear the hijab. She ended up dead. Right. And then what have we seen since then? Talk to us, because this is this is even more than just a hijab situation, like, oh, there's a protest about wearing the hijab. There's something much more symbolic about saying we we want the right for women to decide whether or not they want to wear the hijab, which seems pretty simple to us and straightforward to us in America. Well, you know, the brutality of Islamic Republic uh, of these mullahs are out of control. They're killing people for no, just even speaking or, you know, not wearing the right clothes or, you know, uh, they can't even, uh, you know, get together and talk about anything. So there, these, you know, the, these dictator people that there are on top of the government, they're killing, torturing and raping people in the name of religion just to be able to survive. And for me to talk about it, you know, I don't want to talk about it in detail, but if I could tell you just in a simple way is uh, first you have to know that uh, it is, you know, this destructive government of Iran is basically uh, doesn't care for people anymore mm -hmm. and they all they want to do is just 
to survive and be able to do whatever they want. And they're pulling a lot of sure. money out of the country and everything. And they're sending it to a different part of you know, the world. And, Particularly but, in a lot of cases in funding terrorism, terrorist oh, exactly, organizations. Exactly. So, you know, it's basically for them to survive, they elect to do, uh, you know, they're using two methods of really keeping people silenced and separate them. Mm-hmm. So the silence is what they really is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, their first method to kill people and to make sure that people do not get together and uh, for any demonstration or anything like that. So to be able to control them, you know, people. And if when you're really looking at it is, we want to give you one example is basically uh, they arrest these young people in a demonstration and they take him to jail. They torture him, they uh, rape him, and they kill him, and they even bury him. And at the end, they will call their family and they will tell them where the burial is. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, just to be able to survive, they, they are doing everything they can. Mm-hmm. It's been a matter of probably, about, I would say, about three months now that it's getting really, really bad. You know, they separate in woman from the man, mm-hmm. young from adult, you know, court from force, uh, air from force, you know, they're just doing any form of separation that they can to keep people separated and silent. Mm-hmm. And it's time for us to get in the street and people are getting in the street and they, they're thinking that People are going to go away, but really people are not. They're mm-hmm. maybe quiet for a couple of weeks, and they're coming back more strongly mm-hmm. and doing it you know, the, the same way. And the only thing they could find out to control these people are um, to kill them and you know, make them silent. Mm-hmm. Amir Kayani and Babak Bizzati joining us here in the studio. Babak, you have been on an app called Clubhouse. Many times, as I yes. understand it, where you have been speaking, you've been interacting with people who are in Iran. You're speaking right. in Farsi, talking with folks who are on the ground there, the Iranian people. What have you learned? Uh, honestly, the, the most important thing I've learned is that um, this generation is, is very progressive. Uh, don't forget, the government is geriatric. Right? They, they're religious with the, with the rules and regulations of 12, 1300 years ago, where the new generation we call the TikTok generation, they are very progressive. Uh, they are very modern. They have access to, you know, well, not recently, but they, they're, they're uh, Internet users. So very modern generation. And the, the fear factor that the government has been ruling with for the last 43 years is basically gone. People are not afraid, literally uh, the, the young generation of 16, 15 to 22, 23, they go in front of the the, the um, paramilitary guys. Paramilitary is a crossbreed between the Hell Angels and, and ISIS, basically, right, on motorcycles. And they're killing these guys. They literally open up their arms. They say, you can shoot us, but we're not going away. That is the thing. So the government has been living based on the fear factor and the population and the young generation is not afraid of it. Besides that, the economy is such shambles that um, there's no future for this young generation. That is where the fear factor is not working anymore. The, if you take away the history, if you take away the, the present living of this young generation, and you're not, you don't have anything to offer to this young generation for future, they're not, that, that's why they go in front of bullets. And they're taking every risk they can.
to overthrow the government, and it has nothing to do with just hijab. When you say overthrow the government, are you suggesting, Babak, that this is more of a revolution than just a protest movement? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a full-blown revolution. This is a full-blown revolution. Yeah. Yeah, this is not something that, you know, like in 2009, mm-hmm. they were asking for, where's my vote? That's a, ci- a civil request of, you know, where's my vote? Uh, uh, in politics, we always say, if the, if the government does not have a discourse, and if the population has a discourse and does not have a tie-down to economics of the government, you coming up with a uh, explosive situation. Mm-hmm. Presently, we see that among the young generation. They have a discourse, Zan Zendigi Azadi, woman, life, freedom. I take it a step further and I say this is basically the same slogan that the Americans use, life, liberty, and pr- pursuit of justice, uh, pursuit happiness, of happiness. Yeah. In our case, when you say Zan, which is the woman, life, freedom, woman, Give it's half of the population gives birth to the other half of the population. So when the discourse captures the whole society mm-hmm. from all different social economic uh, layers of the society, that is something that nobody can confront. That is one thing. Second is li- you know you're talking about life, basic life because they are a, a modern generation. We call them TikTok generation. They see how other people live. Just like in you know China, you just had an issue with the uh, COVID. Uh, uh, the they, lockdown. They, exactly. Like they, they zero looked, COVID policy. Zero COVID. And then they looked at the World Cup, and they said, well, well, the rest of the world is living differently. Why are we under zero COVID? And thus you saw the demonstration. Well, this young generation of us also is the same. They're asking, well, people are living basic freedoms of life. This is your basic universal uh, human rights charter that they're looking for? So is, is it in part, we've got to go to a break here, mm-hmm. but Babak, is it in part or largely because the technology allows this younger generation, particularly Gen Z, sure. to see how the rest of the world lives and, rec- and they recognize this isn't right, we should not be oppressed in the way that we are. We should have our rights, women, woman, life, freedom. Absolutely. Look, the minute you are born from your mother, you are born with certain rights that no majority can take away. This is called the Western liberal democracies. I don't care how many percentage of uh, vote you have. The minute you're born from your mother, you are born with certain rights. The founding fathers of our country would call it natural rights. Exactly. The the principle of natural rights that the framers of the Constitution firmly believed was true. Uh, We have to take a break. When we come back, we'll pick up the conversation, get a better understanding both of what's going on on the ground in Iran right now, but also how we got to this point and evolved over the decades since 1979. Amir Kiani and Babak Bezadi joining us here in studio. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. We'll take a break. Be back with more on the other side. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good morning. Coming up on 9.30, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. On Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS, joined in studio by Amir Kayani and Babak Bezadi, both 
Iranian immigrants, 1977, Amir came to America. In 1984, Babak joined us in this country, and we are so glad to have you and so many others who are Iranian-Americans and Iranian immigrants, Iranian refugees in this land of freedom, which I hope, Babak, is helping to provide some inspiration for the young people in Iran who are speaking up now, and not just speaking up, who are leading what you've aptly defined as a revolution, more than just a protest, but a revolution in Iran. Absolutely. I believe this is a full-blown revolution. And uh, again, the, the young generation in Iran is asking for government to be changed because the government is incapable of changing. I mean, it's been given 43 years, 20 years of negotiations with the United States administrations, and they, they haven't gotten close to anything uh, yet. So the young generation wants regime change. The young generation looks at the government and sees what the government is, and then they look at themselves. They say, we are what the Islamic Republic isn't. And when you see, let's be clear, we are what the Islamic Republic is. Isn't. What does that mean? So, if re Islamic Republic is not tolerant, if uh, Islamic Republic is not embracing of all the, the socioeconomic people, uh, women, men, uh, religion, uh, if Islamic Republic does not, although they, they're signatory of, of the Human Rights uh, Charter, they're not even applying one of the articles of never never mind the 30 articles of the human rights universal human rights charter this generation says that that is islamic republic we are not islamic republic we are plural we are tolerant we are um we want we want the human rights basically <laughs> the equality and take take the um uh, the, when they say woman life uh, freedom, freedom means liberties, and basic liberties that comes with the human being. Basically. So even on the ground there in Iran, the people are making a clear distinction between the government and themselves, the Iranian people, the majority of the Iranian people. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes you even hear it in administrations. In the last few years, different administrations, doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat, they try to put a little bit of space between the people and the government, right? They call it the Islamic Republic, and we're the people of the Iran. So these two are completely different. And today, it's actually is, uh, you see it even more uh, uh, in politics that, that they're not representing the Iranian people. Even, but, even yeah, if right. you look at it, at the, you know, this World Cup that is happening, they even separate themselves from this uh, soccer team of Iran. And they were protesting against this team not to go. Because they, they, they're kind of part of this the, the, the Islamic Republic. They, people in Iran are not calling it, this is our government. They call it Republic, Islamic Republic of Molas. It doesn't have mm. anything to do with people of Iran. People of Iran are mostly educated, mostly young people that there are right now living in Iran. And most, most of them are pro-West, pro-modernization uh, you know, and all that stuff. But these Molas are going back... As far as the history goes, 
I don't know how many years ago. Uh, so I have um, heard that this up-and-coming generation is the most pro-American generation. Absolutely. And, and, Absolutely. and that, that they see the United States as a, a force for good right. and as a beacon of freedom that they sh- they're aspiring to, Amir. Right, right. It's just unbelievable that how this young generation, I remember when we were young mm-hmm. back home, we had no idea of what the, you know, this revolution is about. And even the first one that we had when the Shah was there, it was just, we were blinded going to the street. But this young generation are amazing of what they come up with as far as their slogan, as far as you know, what they are really showing the world, as far as the sign that they're showing the world, it's absolutely crazy, uh, you know, that they're going through this long distance to get their voice out to people, and you know they're shutting down all the social media in Iran, yeah. and you know, in the I, internet, and internet, you know, I can't even call my family; they can't even call to each other to different cities to organize any demonstration or anything like that. So you know, it, this this is the, they're pro- trying to sign and separate people. As much as they can. Babak, Amir said something very interesting in how back when the revolution happened in 1979, a lot of people in Iran had no clue what was going on, what it was about. But here there seems to be a real sense of purpose among the young people. Speak to that, if you will, but also paint a picture. What really is going on? You've been participating in these clubhouse conversations, hundreds of people in Iran speaking in Farsi, talking about what's happening. In addition to that question, paint a picture of what is happening, what the people are enduring as they fight for freedom in their country. So in in, in a nutshell, uh, if you look at the uh, so 1979 revolution was a was a uh, a, cons- a conservative movement backwards, right? So mm-hmm. for the last 43 years, we see that uh, discrimination in our, across across the board in Iran, specifically mm-hmm. to the woman. Islamic Republic stands on three pillars, right? Uh, Anti-Westernization uh, with de facto to Israel and hijab, women, second citizens, besides other discriminations, but women half <coughs> the population being... Uh, Discriminated, second citizen. So this has been going on for, and the woman, to be honest with you, were the first group of Iranians uh, within months of revolution. Uh, They spearheaded the the, the uh, anti-government demonstrations and uprising, simply because they they were the the worst discriminated against, and it continued. Now you see it in you know you see uprisings in other uh, for other reasons too, but mainly the woman did this, and it came. Let's bring it fast forward to 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 uh, three months ago, when Masa Amini was uh, beaten to death. Twenty two year old. Twenty two year old, right? Mm-hmm. And and she just babe, she did have a hijab. It just the the morality police said it wasn't well enough covered. That was basically what we call the the last straw that broke the camel's back. And if it happens to Masa Amini, it happens to other women. So population poured into the streets. Uh, I got to say this: uh, Sherwin Hajipur uh, uh, wrote a poem and, and and a song, and it took the world by the world, and I mean the world by surprise. And when you look at the song and and the lyrics, uh, it's basically text came from a young generation to each other. He put them together and created a beautiful, 
beautiful song. And when you, you look at those words, all you can see is just basic human rights, even environmental messages in there. The basic human rights that you see there, and that's what he was trying to say. And they actually arrested him, then they released him. He said, look, man, I just wrote a song. But when you look at that, and when you look at Zan Zendigi Azadi, Woman, Life, Freedom, this is the, the discourse that this generation is uh, is moving forward with. This is the most amazing thing, pro-Western. Uh, Iranian uh, Iranian young generation is very pro-Western as opposed to its government. So that's you, why we separate. You say then that they firmly adopt the principle of natural rights, that as human beings, whether your government recognizes it or not, you as a human being have intrinsic fundamental rights. It, absolutely. If you look at the Iranian history, now you say, okay, we look at the region. Let's look at the region. Iran in 1909 uh, had the, what they call the constitutional movement. And the constitutional movement at that time, it was copied from Belgium and France, and and uh, and they created a judiciary system, modern judiciary system, and they created the constitution for the first time with representative people. So Iranians are not new to the uh, secularism; they're not new to the Western values. They they you know they've been had it for, as I say, two two steps forward, one step back. And in 1979, it was a few steps and, back. And in fact, I have seen pre 1979 photographs, Babak, of women Absolutely. who th- look like they they're from California or anywhere yeah. in the United States. We, we we joke around. We say Iran Iran is the only country that when you look at its past, it, it's like its future. Yeah. So <laughs> so they're very absolutely not only be Western, but at the same time, this movement is a is a patriotic movement too because they're saying we're going to take Iran back. Mm-hmm. Who do you take Iran back from? They feel like they've been invaded and believe it or not, the, this government, it doesn't care if it's people. You gotta, you cannot look at the situation in Iran from the Western point of view. Uh, Islamic Republic of Iran does not care whether it finds its followers, if it's in Somalia, if it's in Lebanon, if it's Houthis in Yemen, and if it's within Iranian uh, people. So perhaps 5% uh, who have financial ties to the government uh, are for the government. And I can strongly say 90 to 95% of people are against this government. Mm. And you see them on the streets actually embracing and So bullets. it's not just the young people who are leading the charge. It's oh, older no, no, generations no, no. are on board. Absolutely. But majority is, you know, on the streets. are The, the ones who, who literally run towards the bullets right. are the young generation. Remarkable. Right? Well, you know, the, the young generation don't remember that uh, what happened in the first revolution when they, they took over Shah. They weren't alive. They weren't alive. And uh, the old generation, no, the old generation have seen time of Shah <coughs> and how it was and everything. So when the young generation are in street and doing all this stuff, these old people that live in and they saw Shah's time, they remember how it was. You know, it was in, in Shah's time, it, everything was just so freely given to people. I mean, the freedom, the, the you know, basic human rights they, was there. You could wear whatever you want. You could talk about whatever you want. You could gather around and you could socialize and do anything you want. But right now, when the old people see this, they're kind of sup- uh, in support of the young people. And the young people and old people are getting together for this revolution. There's something profound, Amir. I have noticed in Hong Kong, 
before and as the Chinese were subjugating the city of Hong Kong much earlier than they, decades earlier than they were supposed to. It was the young people that were leading the charge. When you look in China, it was predominantly the young people who helped lead to the end to the zero COVID policy in just the last few weeks, giving a real humiliation to their ruler, Xi Jinping, just weeks after he was installed right. as basically ruler for life in China. So there's something about the younger generation leading in these movements against these very oppressive regimes. Well, it's uh, it's absolutely the truth. And it just, you know, look... What is the Islamic religion is doing in Iran? You know, they're stepping back, okay? And all these young people are into the Internet and seeing the modernization and freedom of other country. And then they come back to their own country and see what they're stepping back. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to tolerate this. You know, the young people, that's why the young people are up front, because they are into Internet. You know, they, they're into the, you know, the modernization. They see all this. They want it. Right. I mean, you, we can't, you can't deny them. See, say what you will. Uh, uh, I, I like to bring up this point. There are a lot of changes going on as well in terms of modernization, progressiveness in, in that social pr- context in Saudi Arabia, where you are seeing far more rights being provided to women that they've been denied for so long. And I understand there's the the issue of the murder of Khashoggi and so forth, but Mohammed bin Salman is leading those efforts and actually had for the first time, I think last summer of 2021, a concert of men, of boys, girls, men, women together, co-mingled where Justin Bieber sang Mm -hmm. stuff you would never hear of before. And it was a millennial who is Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince in Saudi Arabia, who's leading that charge now. Is it the pace that we would like in the Western world? Absolutely not. But it is striking, I think, we've got to go to a break, but Babak, feel free to chime in. It is striking that millennials and Gen Z in these Middle Eastern countries are leading in openness and in the expansion of rights, especially when it comes to women. Let me put it in perspective. If, if and I know it will, uh, this revolution happens in Iran. It will change the whole region. I yes, think this is will. this is equal to bringing down the Berlin Wall. So wow. that's how I would look at it. Equal to bringing down the Berlin Wall. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about this coming Saturday and the protests that have been happening outside the state capitol on Saturday afternoons. And also pose this question. Is it the case that Iran's protests or the revolution, as you say, that we are seeing could topple the regime? We'll pick up the conversation on that with Amir Kayeni and Babak Bezadi as we continue. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler, News Talk 710 KNUS. Merry Christmas. Good to be with you. I'm wrapping up and winding down, filling in for George Brockler today. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Deborah Flores in tomorrow. And then, of course, you got the Jimmy Sangenberger show coming up 6 to 9 this Saturday morning, as is the case every Saturday here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. And we will do something of a sequel. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, uh, but we'll do something in the 8 o'clock hour to continue our discussion this hour when we get to my show on Saturday with Amir Kayeni and Babak 
Bezadi, both Iranian immigrants to the United States in Amir's case, 1977, Babak's case, 1984. And we've been talking about the protests in Iran that Babak is, has characterized, and Amir agreeing, that this is a revolution. It's much more than just a, a simple protest. Let me ask you a two-part question. We're just about out of time. I'll start with you on this, Babak. Uh, could these protests, this revolution, actually topple the Iranian regime? And what would you like the U.S. government to do? Absolutely. This is a full-blown revolution. And the uh, U.S. government can certainly uh, help, first of all, in uh, helping to provide the Internet. Second, continue the sanctions, targeted sanctions on the Islamic Republic of Iran. Third is uh, the JCPOA cannot be signed. If they, they do sign it, they're basically providing billions of dollars to the Islamic Republic. That's the Iranian nuclear deal. That's the Iranian nuclear deal. The JCPOA is the Iranian nuclear deal, and that is billions of dollars providing uh, to the Islamic Republic, not only to oppress and repress their own people, also in the proxy wars, killing American uh, soldiers in uh, Afghanistan and, 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 and Iraq and, and other places, or funding Hezbollah of Lebanon. Fourth is, in, in, in my book, is, look, uh, the President Trump doesn't have Twitter account, and, and the Supreme Leader has Twitter account, and he's not even sanctioned. Uh, certainly, he can be sanctioned on that. In addition to that, 5,000 of Iranian um, uh, government officials' children literally living in the United States in the free world, where they are being oppressed, the, 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 uh, the oppressing our people. In addition to that, uh, I would say the lobbyists of Islamic Republic for 20 years, such as Nayak, uh, has to go under investigation. Nayak uh, has been funded, literally funded by by uh, by the Islamic Republic indirectly, and uh, they've been uh, buzzing in the ears of the administrations, different administrations. Where finally Obama came in, and two, three weeks ago turned around and said President Obama uh, came and said he made a mistake not supporting the Iranian people in 2009 uprising simply because the influence of Nayak and other lobbyists of Islamic Republic here in the United States. Yeah, I, I think he was very focused on getting the JCPOA, the Absolutely. Iranian nuclear deal, and, and Jimmy, so he didn't want to disrupt that. Straight, American, in American history, supporting the Iranian people does not mean overthrowing the government. Overthrowing the government of Iran is in the hands of Iranian people. But in the history of the United States, uh, let me go give you a little bit of trivia. In 1909 uprising, the Iranian constitution movement, there was a young uh, Harvard Baskerville from uh, uh, Kansas, a young American who is known as Lafayette of America in Iran, uh, helped the Iranian uh, revolutionaries to uh, uh, wow. break the siege. So that's a trivia uh, for, for you to look what up. What a fun story um, and, and very profound. Uh, Amir Kayeni, uh, what would you have to add? to what Babak just said, but also tell me a little bit about the Saturday protests. What's been going on? When are they taking place? Are all people welcome to participate if our listeners wanted to take time on Saturday afternoon to come out if it's yeah. not snowing? Well, to add to what Babak was saying as far as, uh, you know, the, what do you, we, we want the U.S. to do to help people of Iran is I think a lot of people are saying the sanction wasn't really working. But I think absolutely the sanction was working. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here now. So because of the economy of Iran and everything, people are getting sick and tired of not having enough job, not having enough freedom to do anything they want. So I 
think this United States has to be emphasizing more sanction on Iran until this, this government gets to and sanction the supreme leader himself, as Babak suggested. Exactly, exactly. And as far as the protesting in in in, front, in Denver, we've been doing it for about six weeks now in front of Capitol. Any t- anybody is welcome to it, and it's been happening from probably about you know two to about five o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon every Saturday. So it's right in front of the Capitol. You can't miss it. There's so many people there, and we provide a lot of other stuff for as far as you know, uh, awareness of the uh, public. Yeah, information and, and so forth. Um, uh, Babak, I've got about 30 seconds for a final thought from you, sir. Maybe about the protests on Saturday. Let me finish up with with the beautiful uh, Zan Zandigi Azadi, the slogan Zan Zandigi Azadi. That is the slogan and the discourse that the young generation of Iranians want, and I think... Uh, woman, mi- life, Woman, freedom. life, freedom. Liberties, right? Woman, life, freedom. And I think we're going to... Uh, I know we're going to win. It's just... Uh, it's going to take time, but we will win. Yeah. That's, my, uh, that's my take on it. I love it. Well, Amir Kayeni and Babak Bizzati will we'll do something as a follow-up on Saturday morning, given that the protests will be happening again on Saturday Thank you so much for taking the time. We'll keep in contact, and we will definitely on this station be keeping tabs on what's happening in Iran and make sure folks are aware. Jimmy, I'm grateful for giving us the opportunity Thank you to very be much. the voice we of the Iranian people. appreciate this time also, too, and it's just, you know, it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's amazing what you both are doing and all the Iranian people who are here in Denver, Colorado, and then in Colorado, in the United States, in the world, who are standing up. For your friends, your family, your loved ones in Iran who are fighting for freedom. Woman, life, freedom. freedom. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Been in for George Brockler. Have a great rest of the day. You got Deborah up at 3, Stefan up at 4. Merry Christmas. I'll be in for George next Wednesday again, actually. So tune in then. In the meantime... Have a great one, and may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.